Hello everyone and welcome, welcome to, to Base Babe Syndicate. I'm Flowey Chloe and I'm the Princess Waver and this is our second episode and today we are going to be chatting all about the transition from in-person shows and festivals to live streams in the midst of the pandemic. In other words, from live shows to live streams as you can tell from our title. So if you're in the United States like Chloe and I, you know that COVID kind of really hit the U.S. in March of 2020. And at the beginning, immediately, there were no shows, of course, and so many of us are wondering, what are we going to do? But the EDM community adapted really, really fast, and we decided we were going to do live streams. So when we went into lockdown in March, more than any other genre, the EDM community really stepped up and had DJs giving their fans and their supporters the music and live streams that they knew we would all miss and very much need. And I found a really interesting study by Femke Vandenberg, and it's a study that was about the live stream transition in Europe, but I still think it seems applicable here. And it talked about how the consequences for performing arts, including live music, were particularly severe when COVID hit because concerts, tours, festivals, and all that stuff were really rapidly canceled. And not only is it a problem financially, but also socially, because live music plays a really important role generating social solidarity and social resilience. You mm -hmm. know how music brings people together and is a Especially, happy thing. I feel like, well, I'm sure with other communities as well, but just for us, because we're involved in rave communities, our lives, some revolved around them a little bit. <laughs> so funny you say that, because that brings me to my next quote from the oh. article. And I figured you guys would like this. And it says, no other music genre has been more likened to a ritual experience than electronic music, specifically the genres that fall under the category of rave. Ravers and theorists alike have pointed to the importance of the shared feeling of connectedness during these events, as the ritualistic aspects of bodies involved in close and synchronized dancing generates profound feelings of communality. Wow meaning that we are a cult, but we're all okay with I it. I know, my first thought immediately was this, when you talk about rituals, I was like thinking of void sets, and you were like... <laughs> <laughs> so we're all a cult, guys, basically. <laughs> but that's okay, that's okay. So it's a really interesting research study. I would recommend reading it. We're going to put the link in the bio. They talk a lot about the collective consciousness and reciprocation of emotions through music, mm -hmm. how, essentially, how it brings people together, how it is a cult, but it is in every genre. And... They kind of investigated the potential of virtual concerts in generating that same collective consciousness that live shows do, and the related feelings of social solidarity and resilience, specifically in times of physical isolation like everyone in the world is experiencing during COVID. And when we had the live streams, I can definitely add to that the feeling of communalness when everyone's mm -hmm. in the live chat and you're watching the same in particular live sets when DJs are streaming live sets not replays of old festivals and everyone's in the chat is just it's just so fun to watch everyone and participate yeah because even though you're physically not there you still feel that sense of community knowing that you're all mm -hmm. watching it at the same time like yeah still... I'm in my pajamas like laughing at my computer screen in bed but, but we're all doing it together <laughs> we're doing yep. it together so the study actually found that while these ritual activities mark participation and remind members of the previous collective feeling of live shows, the omission of the actual visceral elements of a physical audience and being at a real show, while it does give you some sense of community, it really hampers the like feeling of a renewed sense of social solidarity. So essentially what the study found is that it does have some positive effects, but it's not the same as going to a live show, which I'm sure we yes. all know. It's kind <laughs> of a, it's a temporary remedy. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I thought that study was really interesting. I agree. Thank you for sharing mm -hmm. that. So definitely 
there has been a shift from the beginning of quarantine to now in that sense of community we felt with live streams because at the beginning we were all in isolation it was something entirely new presumably me we have not been through another pandemic in our lives so it's a very Hopefully first we don't have to experience <laughs> don't jinx one. anything but because it's such a unique experience when we had live streams for the first time and finally felt that sense of connection with each other i feel like that was extremely special for everyone but then mm -hmm. When time kept progressing and people started becoming disheartened, that quarantine was clearly not going to end anytime soon, and we weren't going to have live shows anytime mm -hmm. soon, then the live streams lost their magic a little bit in comparison to, to what? the feeling that you had the first time you participated in one. I think that we thought that quarantine originally was going to last six weeks, and here we are a year later, <laughs> no live shows. And in particular, during this live stream season, if you will, there were some interesting highlights. So we had Raveathon in May, which was still very much towards the beginning. It was so much fun. It was um, held by Insomniac, and so many great artists were there. IO was there, and... Yeah, it was just really great, and everyone was participating. And then in October, we had Lost Lands, of course. And at least for me personally, I feel like EDC and Lost Lands are the biggest to me. Obviously, mm -hmm. it depends on where you are and what festivals you're used to, but to me, those particularly stand out, especially Lost Lands, wouldn't you say? Yeah, Couch Lands. I yes. mean, for us, Lost Lands is our favorite festival, Duh. so <laughs> anything Excision, we, we eat it up. So we were on for all of If not worship. <laughs> and fun fact, we actually made it into the Couch <gasps> oh Lands my live gosh. stream when he had people saying, happy Couch Lands, we made yes. it in! We got all dressed up, we had all our dinos with us, and we'll post it to our Instagram so you can yeah. check out the yep. clip. <laughs> But aside from our little claim to fame, Lost Lands had a couple episodes of Couchlands. I believe he kind of had somewhat of a pilot episode. I'm comparing it to pilot episodes, not a pilot episode. Yeah, like an original It was great. One. It was amazing. It was insane. Yeah. Yes. And he ended up having more and more. And then the latest one was just out of this world. <laughs> if you watched it, you know that he released his, his new record label. Subsidia, which is... So amazing. He signed so many new artists, so many up-and-coming artists, and it just felt like a hopeful and connected time for fans and creators alike. I totally agree. It was something that all of the EDM, particularly dubstep community, needed that kind of pick-me-up. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but can we talk about the insane visuals at Excision sets. Oh my gosh, I know. Because before that, they just had the DJs playing, and then Excision comes on. And, and then just... you're taking into this literal whole other world. You're traveling all around. I'm just like, oh my god, who made this? Who yeah. made this? It was like virtual reality. Without it wasn't even just a virtual reality. stage. It was a virtual world because you were traveling all throughout it. Mm -hmm. Little Jeff was. Little Jeff. <laughs> and... Chloe and I aren't too well versed in what I'm about to chat about, but it's worth mentioning. So there was an intertwining of video games and primarily video game centered live streaming. So there were some DJs throwing raves on Minecraft, Fortnite, and Twitch. So that mm -hmm. is just really, really cool to see the intersection of technology and raves, beginning with Excision's virtual live set world, and then seeing other existing platforms incorporate rave culture and DJs and concerts into their, their platforms. Yeah, subgenres of DJs playing to the gamer community as well, allowing like people with their Minecraft 
games to go into their own virtual world, mm-hmm. essentially, and perf- yeah, like, attend liter- a, a literal a show <laughs> that they create in the Minecraft world. Yeah, so there is virtual wa- Wyatt. <laughs> <laughs> virtual Wyatt. <laughs> virtual Riot was on Minecraft. We had Electric Blockaloo with Jaws and Diplo and Getter. And we had Marshmallow on Fortnite. Chloe and I did not participate in the Minecraft or Fortnite raves, but we did get into Twitch a little bit. And what was really cool about Twitch is a lot of DJs were not only streaming their sets, but they're also streaming their production process. So that's how I got into it. I saw that Subtronics and company were doing a lot of live streams, and Chloe and I both would text each other and be like, hey, let's watch this set together. Together. (laughs) From from afar. Yeah, from (gasps) afar. That was insane. (laughs) Another article that I found on Insider by Liz Craker said that as of August 2020, so I'm sure it's changed a lot by now, Mm -hmm. there were over 7,000 EDM live streams that had happened (gasps) through, I think, just through quarantine, forgetting even before quarantine when live streaming was kind of already coming up, which I thought was really interesting. And depending, I don't know the research methods of that, but I'm sure like whatever sample they took was only a small segment of all the platforms of live streaming, considering we just talked about video games, Twitch, Couchlands having their own website, and just so many different platforms. Yeah. And some of the other live streams that she talked about that were really awesome and actually raised a lot of money was David Guetta did two at-home live streams that combined had over 49 million people watching (gasps) and actually raised over $1.2 million for COVID-19 relief with multiple different organizations. Wow. Yeah, and they were all from home. That's crazy. Yeah, I totally forgot about that whole charitable aspect of the live streams. Many people did donations either for the artists themselves to support them. For example, Couchlands had a goal that they well surpassed very easily to support mm-hmm. all of the artists involved in the whole production of it. It's really cool to see these big DJs using their platform during a time like this for something good and, and useful, especially mm-hmm. when they're probably struggling <laughs> in some way as well, because their income is also being affected by COVID-19. And then another really cool one was Digital Mirage that had artists like Zoo and Nightmare and Tiesto, and they raised over 370,000 for both COVID-19 relief funds and nonprofits, like the Equal Justice Initiative and Color of Change, which is super awesome. Yeah. I did not know that, so that's really, really cool. It's cool to kind of quantify some of these things mm-hmm. and just see how much of an impact it really, really has. Yeah. Like, to us in our personal experience, we know our individual experience watching a few live streams alone, but seeing collective numbers of how many people participate and how much we've raised is super amazing. Which only kind of... I think Further even, cements our love. Yeah, further cements <laughs> our love and also further kind of shows the community and how everybody's right. willing to come together to raise so much money to help mm-hmm. people in this crazy time when everybody needs some support and help, you know? Mm-hmm. So what would you say your favorite live stream set was of quarantine? Oh, it's so hard. There were so many really good ones, but my favorite DJ in the whole wide world is Space Mom, Miss Red. <laughs> Queen, love her to death. She did a last-minute surprise 30-minute live stream set, and it was probably my favorite one. One, because mm-hmm. I didn't even have time to prepare for it. It's my favorite artist doing a surprise live stream, which was awesome, and anything res, I'm just Absolutely. obsessed. <gasps> so, I, I just loved it. How about you? I would have to say the Bonnaroo 2020 live set done by Subtronics back in September. Ooh, yes. I loved it. We watched this one again. Wait, this is the one that I was like, oh, it starts at five. And like, we came to it and there was like 30 minutes left. (laughs) (laughs) I checked the time so many times and I don't know how I got it wrong. 
but I did. And we waited all day for this, and then it finally comes time to turn it on, and it was, like, almost over. <laughs> we got to watch it one and a half times <laughs> over. Yeah, so then we watched it again, but I really loved this set. I thought it was so fun. He had some experimental new wonky stuff in oh, there. I love some The visuals wonky. were so silly and funny. He was in a little spaceship. There was aliens dancing. It made me dance and laugh. <laughs> and we, well, I was studying for my anatomy exam, and Chloe was there, hooping so Mm -hmm. it was quite the entertaining night for myself yeah it was a good time and of course we cannot forget our most honorable mentions oh oh, of course of course these are just givens that of course we love these sets but these are two were both of our favorites so excision was one of course the couchland sets Mm -hmm. especially that last subsidia yeah can't deny that excision is god And on the flip side of that, going from God to, to the devil, sudden death. Ugh. His EDC set. We watched it many times. So many times. Just sitting on the floor, smiling, staring at the TV. We love him. Yep. We love them both. But unfortunately, there have been a lot of downsides as COVID has impacted pretty much everyone negatively. So we kind of talked a bit about the positive aspect and how we were still able to come together. But There have been a lot of negative impacts on the community, and we're not going to get too in-depth with the more obvious negative impacts. We all know that COVID has significantly impacted venues and artists, and we had some really sad news here in Pittsburgh, where Chloe and I are... One of the most beloved venues in in Pittsburgh. It's called The Rex. It's been around for 10 or so years. It's Mm -hmm. kind of like the go-to venue for most of the shows, unless it's... And it has a very small, homey feel to it. It's not like going to a big, big venue where you feel like you're so tiny. The Rex is smaller yeah. and it just feels so much more personal. It's where it's where the rave fam is. Like yeah. the true rave fam is at the Rex. You can just walk around, literally walk around to the front, to the back, there's a second level. DJs are always meeting people after the shows there. Yeah. And unfortunately, because of COVID, they were not able to stay open and they had to close their doors a few months ago for good. Which <laughs> Just really sad. We have so many memories there. Yeah, that was really heartbreaking news for the Pittsburgh community. And they threw raves at least twice a month. Like, I feel like it was honestly close to every other week because they had so many DJs coming there all the time. Yeah. It was a really momentous location for ravers, particularly dubstep lovers, because it was a venue that brought in so many of the artists that we love that, you know, it's a smaller niche community, so it was really cool to have that in Pittsburgh because not every area has that, so we're very fortunate to have lived in Pittsburgh. Yeah. So that kind of shows how there's been a lot of negative impacts, of course, the venues, the artists, and also just a general loss of momentum that kind of coincided with a loss of, not hope, but a decreasing sense of hope as quarantine continued, Mm -hmm. people became less engaged in live streams. But then I feel like we kind of adapted again and we started having some drive-in shows. I think that was a really unique way for them to adapt to wanting to do live shows, but in a kind of more safe Mm -hmm. setting with COVID. And I don't think I've ever heard... I've heard of some drive-in concerts, but not for the EDM community in particular. It's literally... So it's like mind baffling to me in a way that it hasn't been thought of before because it is literally the festival experience, but on a smaller level. And I feel like that's more accessible. And I feel that after COVID, this is a great way to make the festival experience more accessible financially to some people. Yeah. Just a, just an idea because it's a one-time thing that is more easily done than throwing an entire festival 
and it has very much that same festival experience in that you're outside with people, you're at your car, is a big stage outside. Yeah, it's a good mix between shows and festivals because most concerts, quote-unquote, that are outside are not EDM concerts unless they are a festival. Exactly. And so it's kind of a good way to kind of bring that outside while also... Isn't that crazy that there's... That, like, that hasn't been a thing. I know. There's outdoor concerts all of the time, but with the ravers, you're like, no, it has to be a whole but I do festival. But <laughs> I do wonder whether post-COVID yeah. drive-ins will still be a thing, which brings us to our next topic of what do we think the rave community is mm. going to look like post-COVID. Yeah, because it's definitely going to be different. And we already touched a bit on the intersection between raves and video games, live streaming platforms, and I have an idea about something for the future, too. Do tell. Okay, okay, okay. You so, have to create something? <laughs> Someone else can create it for me. <laughs> you just can patent it. <laughs> yeah, just give me credit for the idea. So my idea is incorporating VR and raves and 360 cameras. Elaborate. Okay, so I was thinking, since the other day Chloe and I were playing around with VR and we were at a virtual, well, a real one, a real excision set that was filmed with a 360-degree camera. And if you're unfamiliar with how that works, a 360-degree camera is basically what it sounds like. It captures everything happening entirely around you. So when you're filming and you import that film, upload it to YouTube or wherever, and then you watch that video through a virtual reality headpiece, mm-hmm. you can look all around you and you'll see everything that the camera saw from that moment all around you. So it really feels like you're actually there. And I think it would be so cool if in the future there were some sort of camera company that would go to these festivals, record in 360 and either have it live and then people could watch from home like that. Or if people don't want to pay for an entire festival, maybe have a, a decreased price to attend it virtually oh that would because be cool. you're actually there and yeah that's my idea that would i just be thought it would cool. be super cool to kind of upgrade the live streaming experience to feel like you're actually there because you can look around and literally just see through the eyes of the camera yeah i think once virtual reality is more widespread i would say mm-hmm. i feel like as of now it's still things like xbox and more, I guess not 2D, but like kind of 2D gameplays. Yeah. Whereas when you're able to really get that virtual experience, which kind of VR is going to be the future of technology, like mm-hmm. they're getting more and more advanced with the things they can do now, that could be very likely a thing that they would do. Maybe I'll do it. I just need to learn a lot of skills. <laughs> you don't need to know the skills. You just company. have to tell enough people about the idea. <laughs> don't need a company. I'll just, I'll just advertise it on Instagram. Hey guys. You I have this idea. Someone, anyone. <laughs> I'll find someone. <laughs> but aside from the idea, let's talk about some of the more concrete things. What have we seen now that we think will continue or not continue? What are your thoughts? So live streaming was already kind of increasing before COVID mm-hmm. and then became really popular during COVID, of course. And I wonder whether post-COVID it's going to kind of plummet in popularity because people are going to be so excited. Yeah, or if on the flip side people will think, well, I'm still not feeling super safe going to okay. shows and this is a really good way to still get live music and mm-hmm. whether that would be an option also and if DJs could potentially live stream and have live shows at the same time. So it's a live show but they're also finding a way to live stream that mm-hmm. to to an, another audience at the same time. Mm-hmm. So and, I think that could and be And we've a, seen that with some festivals like Couchlands before it was the quarantine episode, it was during Lost Lands. But, of course, 
you didn't get to see every single stage, yeah. but it was still an option for people. And it's really cool. It makes it more live streaming and technology in general just makes raving and going to festivals more accessible mm-hmm. if you can't go somewhere for what, whatever reason that may be. Yeah. And I think even though there are a lot of negative effects of what's happened with COVID, people have had to become really crafty in the mm-hmm. things they can do. And I think that Innovation. some of that will, yeah, some of that stuff will definitely stick around post COVID. I just don't know to what extent. And we also have no idea when post COVID will even be. Hopefully soon. Well, hopefully soon. Well, as much fingers as Fingers crossed. We'll cross our fingers and our piggies, but. To be able to do it safely. Safely, of course. Yes, fingers crossed. Yes, that's that's the concern here, being able to do it safely. Oh, and we, Chloe and I were just talking about this the other day. There are shows happening. Yeah, there are some shows that some DJs are putting on in certain venues that seem like they are more than half capacity and there are people not wearing masks and... Not following restrictions. Yeah, it is a shame to see that. Like, on one hand, I get it, you need to make money, but on the other hand, health and safety is more important mm-hmm. than putting on a live show. And we saw with drive-ins that there is a way to do it safely. Yeah. And having people there to ensure that people are following the protocol and ensuring safety. So, my fingers are crossed, and I have no clue when that return to a safe sense of even remote normalcy will return, but... I am kind of just riding the wave right now. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. It is what it has been. And whenever that day comes, I will be happy for it. But I really have no expectations for when that will be. At this point, we're just, we've accepted it. And we're looking forward to the live streams <laughs> we can get and the jams we can listen to. And yeah. we've and accepted it. in this it. time, we're still being involved in the rave community. But I feel like we've both been focusing on how we can improve our talents. Mm-hmm. Such as flow. Things involved. Things that when we get back to the rave community, we'll feel even better and more excited about it. Yeah, like this podcast. We're spending our time making this podcast and just being engaged in the rave community so that it'll be even more exciting when you return. And as I'm sure so many of you relate to, most of, at least mine, I don't know about you, Steph, but most of the things I look forward to, I don't, I like to go to the bar every once in a while, but I don't look forward to going to the bar. I look forward to going to shows every weekend. And for me, that's my greatest form of socialization Mm -hmm. and relaxation. I would choose going to a show any day over going to a bar or a party or a club. Mm -hmm. And I totally echo that because during school, whenever I had stuff going on with school, whether that be stress or personal stuff, what would always get me through each day and week was, I can't wait till that show next weekend. (laughs) The prospect of a show in the near future. (laughs) But that being said, everyone, cross your fingers, do your rave dance. Go outside in the rain. Do whatever you have to do so that we can safely go to shows again. Please. That includes wearing a mask and being safe and... Staying home when you can. Yep. Wash your hands, hug your cats and dogs. And your besties. And one day we will all return again together. So for this week's Creator Corner, we interviewed our awesome friend and DJ Cardinal Bass. Due to safety concerns, we did conduct this interview over Zoom. And we're still working on trying to make that audio the best that it can be. So the audio is a little bit rough, but we just wanted to give you that warning ahead of time. So enjoy this week's Creator Corner. So right now we have DJ cardinal with us he is one of chloe and i's friends boyfriend so that's how we met him his name is steve and we are so excited to have you here with us today and earlier this summer we got a chance to actually watch one of steve's virtual sets and it was amazing of course we both really enjoyed it so steve why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself hey guys thanks for having me um well i started djing in about February 2017 and I did it because at Bisco the year prior in 2016 
I I think I was in a nightmare set of all places mm-hmm. and I decided I wanted to try it because you know as I've always been into music I was in a, a metal band I was a vocalist before that I had but yeah yeah I was a scene kid I was all of that. <laughs> <laughs> transition for a lot of people they go from like metal to EDM wait yeah, exactly. I had a metal phase in high school too that's so ironic that happens a lot I've noticed that a lot <laughs> to be honest yeah so like I kind of wanted to uh to pursue that after leaving that scene mm-hmm. and uh so I did and then after about a year of DJing I learned on tractor on native instruments which isn't usually the conventional way to do most people go pioneer but the friends I had knew that's that hardware and that software so that's where I went and then after that I decided to start producing about a year later but I feel like you have to you have to produce your own music too yeah you can't just teach your music so there all that happened I was producing and doing all that playing shows for about two and a half years before everything happened and then it, the landscape kind of all changed yeah it turned into all online what was and, the learning curve like for producing because producing is a lot harder than DJing it's a totally different beast it's opposite ends with the same coin you know mm-hmm. and it really depends on what uh software you fall into I I went with logic but the uh the average way to go is uh Ableton, which I'm about to make the jump to once I finally get my PC. I'm so excited. <laughs> but um that's one I'm I'm most know about. I don't produce right. <laughs> Yeah, that's the one I have. I I splurged on it and I'm sitting there just a matter of actually learning. <laughs> yeah. Once you put in the uh once you put in the time though, it's pretty rewarding, not gonna lie. Yeah. So what would you what kind of genre would you consider the music that you make specifically if you had to make? Well, I've been asked that question a few times, and it's hard to answer it. Um, I guess I like to say, like, more experimental bass, but I like to uh, I like to get heavy as well. So, like, you know, when I first, first, first was, like, a real newbie, I used to say I want to have the sound of uh, Midnight Tyrannosaurus meets Tipper, which is insanity. That makes no sense. Makes no sense at all. <laughs> Yeah, I guess experimental bass is really the best term to put it. Um, I like to put a lot of inside jokes in my music. So all my titles, all my EP names, they're all based off inside jokes for me and my friends back in high school and up to now. Like, that's why I started the Who, What, Where, When, Why, How series, which I'm still in the middle of. My computer can no longer handle my producing, so I've been kind of on pause with producing throughout the pandemic until I get my rig. But um, yeah, the wear EP is like halfway done. <laughs> That's awesome. And I guess experimental bass is a good, the best way to describe it kind of, because it can encapsulate so many different mm-hmm. things really. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard when you have influences from so many different areas, it often is hard to really categorize any artist to one specific confine. Mm-hmm. It's also fun with EDM because you can do things like add in your own jokes and do fun stuff that a lot of other genres kind of don't have room for because there's like a formula, but with EDM, there really is no formula. You can just do whatever you want and make it fun and funny. I do with samples. Like they never need to make any sense and I feel like they never do. But everyone will scream them at the top of their lungs and love them. So what would you say are some of your long-term goals now that, you know, you've had this little pause? What can we expect once you get, you know, your new computer and just your long-term goals in general? 
Well, I definitely want to be able to finish this EP series and so I can work on my first album whenever I can get to that. I have it mapped out, but I kind of, like I said, I, yeah, I have this whole plan. Yeah, I have a whole plan mapped out on my phone, but like I said, I had to put it on pause. So I just started focusing on the live streams and the live streams were awesome at first. Awesome. Yeah. But it got exhausting, creatively exhausting because right. it's, it's not the same as playing a show every week because you have everybody watching you. So you have to make new content for everyone. You can't reuse little combos you made, things like that. Mm -hmm. So there's almost like a, a creative overlap once you start doing them every week. I would have never thought of that, that, you know, when you're going playing shows in different venues, you can repeat things, but you're right because you're doing mm -hmm. it on live stream. The same people are watching. I would have never thought of that. Mm -hmm. So it gets a little exhausting creatively. So speaking of like how live streams have kind of affected your creative process, I guess, how do you think live streams have impacted up and coming DJs in general? Do you think it's been positive or negative or somewhere in between? Well, I think it's been really positive because it's highlighted a lot of really big up and comers. Like it's given a lot of people who uh, the opportunity to come into the limelight, whereas also during this pandemic, a lot of toxic people in the scene got pushed out of the limelight. So it, it kind of worked out in a way. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, I think this dude Trip Street is like a really big up and comer that needs to be looked at and he, who really made his name through the pandemic, through his live streams. Yeah, that's really awesome, especially because live streams are kind of way more accessible to everybody. And also because you can put those together yourself and with other DJs that you know, you don't have to wait to try and find a venue and find a place to get booked. You can just do it yourself and make it happen. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You don't have those middlemen trying to like deal with all that. Everyone <laughs> trying to put their hands on it. You could just, the with Twitch and YouTube and Facebook, all everyone having the accessibility, it makes it so easy to be able to do whatever you want. Have you noticed any changes in your reach and your audience after having all these live streams during COVID? Uh, yeah, I believe so, definitely. I had a good little boom on my SoundCloud and on my Facebook. That's awesome. Yeah, it's interesting to hear it from somebody who actually experiences because we watch the live streams, right? but we don't actually play the shows and have to plan them. So we don't see how it actually affects the DJs who are playing it. So it's fun to get that inside info. Glad <laughs> <laughs> I can provide it. Speaking of providing info about being a DJ, I have reached out to you before in the past. I have the speakers you told me to get in my room right now. And it's been a slow process because as yeah. you know, and listeners out there, if you don't know, I'm also interested in learning how to DJ. So what advice do you have for me and all other up-and-coming DJs who don't really know, you know, where to start? How would you tell them to go about that? So when you look at the board, you know, when you look at your controller, don't look at it as this whole piece. You know, you got to take it piece by piece. Mm -hmm. Just start by playing songs, you know, transitioning, simple transitions, you know. Nothing crazy. Don't try chopping rhythm, like any of that stuff. Like, <laughs> it's not necessary, especially when you first start. Yeah. So, you know, just, and then when you start to feel more comfortable, start transitioning into like moving between tempos. Then you could start chopping. You can start doing doubles or triples. Like, start incorporating more features of the controller that you have as time goes on. Don't look at it as one whole piece because it could be overwhelming. 
That's good to know because so far all I've done is transition songs and I've just avoided looking at everything else. I'm like, that'll, <laughs> that'll come at a later time. <laughs> right, right. That's wow. good though. It probably feels like you're like, oh, I should be doing more, but you don't really have to be doing more until you get down the basics, I guess, even though you want to chop rate them right away. <laughs> right, right. Unfortunately, not realistic. Ta- the time will come. <laughs> Yeah, the time will definitely come. You don't have to worry. It's everyone's pace. And when I started, it was it took me like a year before I started going into things like looping and effects and all that. Because I just wanted to be able to do it. And you know, song choice, song choice. That's what I was trying to think of. It's the it's more important than people think. Because I I was collecting my song library for years and years and years before I started DJing. So to be able to dive backwards into that and be able to show all my old songs that I like to do and the new underground songs that I find simultaneously, plus my collection of acapellas that I've collected, mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun. That sounds really fun. What would you say is the best kind of like music and songs to start with? I don't know if it, like BPM matters or anything like that. Well, it definitely uh, is up to your own you know, preference, whatever music you like the best. A lot of people say house is the easiest, you know, 128 BPM. But I, I jump straight into dubstep, uh, 150. I play a lot of halftime, so 75, 70. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then a, a lot of the experimental stuff tends to chill in the 80 to 90 BPM area. I like to start sets in the 90s and then slowly drop down the 70, 60. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it all depends on what I'm feeling in the moment. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of your experiences and advice. You definitely have grown very fast, and you're an amazing DJ, so we really appreciate oh, you thank you on today. Making me blush. Can't wait until we can see you live again, hopefully soon. But until then, we can see you on live streams. You can find my SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash cardinalbase, my Instagram at cardinalbase, and my Facebook at cardinalbase. And we'll put all that in the description so people can spell it and look at it. And Awesome. All right, cool. Thank, Thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. That was fun. We appreciate it so much. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to this week's episode, Base Babes. We're so excited to connect with you all. You can find us on Instagram at Base Babes Syndicate, and you can find me at Flowey underscore Chloe. And you can find me on Instagram as at the Princess Raver. Remember, Remember to, to bang your head today. Bye, Bass Babes.